Good morning. Welcome to this hour live from the Applegate Christian Fellowship. This is Rogue Grace with Peter John. I remember some time ago now, I was getting ready to come to the office and I couldn't believe what I saw. There in the kitchen, I saw my two oldest daughters, Bailey, who at the time was probably about seven or eight years old. And Sadie, who was a year or more, a little bit, about a year and a half younger than Bailey, they were um, on the ground wrestling, to say the least. More like, more like just a dragged down, worn out, brutal fight that was going on. (laughs) And so I broke it up as quick as I could. Set them each down on a stool on the opposite end of the kitchen. And I said, what is going on? Well, she won't give me her bracelet, one of them said about the other. And she told me I could wear it today, but now she's not going to let me wear it. Like she said, she, she won't give it to me like she said she was going to. And the other sister said, well... I decided I want to wear it. Not you. I'm going to wear this bracelet. And they almost started fighting again right there. And I said, give me the bracelet. Because, you see, neither of them were going to wear it that day. If it was going to come down to blows and fisticuffs, then neither of them were going to wear it. So one of them, the one that had it in her possession slowly walked over and handed it to me. I said, this bracelet is going to stay in my room and until you guys can get your act together, until you can cool down. And so I took the bracelet and looked at it for a moment and it said on the bracelet, what would Jesus do? Remember those? Those bracelets? That's what it said. They were literally fighting over what would Jesus do. And I find that to not be something that is reserved just for a bracelet and just for them, but for many Christians. How many of us have found ourselves in some kind of fight or squabble or debate with another person or people, and it had to do with Jesus. And often it's sisters and brothers, like my girls were sisters, that are fighting with each other over What would Jesus do? And it comes across as theological or 
in scriptural or biblical tones because that's what people are doing. They're quoting scripture back at forth at each other on certain aspects of doctrine and what have you. But ultimately it gets down to they're fighting over what would Jesus do. Now the book of Hebrews that we have been looking at tells us not what would Jesus do, so to speak, but what has Jesus done? And you see, that's why we're going to continue to study the book of Hebrews. Not what would Jesus do, so much as what has Jesus done? And when you find out, when you figure out, when I understand what Jesus has done, and it has nothing to do with me, or my behavior, or my conduct when it comes to righteousness. In my righteousness, I am not even a factor. Do you know that? Yeah, you know that about me, but do you know that about you? You are not even in the equation. What would Jesus do is really what would has Jesus done? And the answer Tetelestai, he cried from the cross. It is finished. Now listen to these words in Hebrews, our text this morning in Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, verse 1, while the promise of entering God's rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Oh, you better be afraid, what? That you're not resting. Don't you, isn't that beautiful? I, I, I've never seen anything like it. This exhortation from the writer saying, warning, caution. You better be fearful of what? That you are not resting. That in one way or another, you're trying to prove to God, to others, to yourself, that you are worthy. That you should be counted righteous. No. Fear, he says, lest any of you have failed to reach what? The rest of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, this morning for that scripture, Hebrews 4, verse 1. That I am not to be afraid of not doing enough good works. I am not to be afraid of, is my behavior lined up? I am not afraid of those things when I am afraid of simply not entering into God's rest. You know, even sharing this right now is already causing me to be at peace and rest in the Lord. I was able to rest for several weeks, (laughs) whether I wanted to or not, in the hospital, recovering from a couple of brain surgeries. (laughs) And the reason I bring that up is because 
the Lord in a very wonderful way, at least one of the things he did was he made me rest. I couldn't get up, couldn't go to work. He literally leveled me, the Lord did, by allowing all of that to take place. And I look back and I'm glad that he did. Because I was able to rest. Sometimes my dad would sing songs and I would sing with him, I am told. I don't even remember. But he said word for word, I remember the the various verses from Amazing Grace and other hymns. Incredible. But all I was doing by God's own sovereign plan was entering into his rest. Dear friend, please don't go through what I went through in order to enter into God's rest. Instead, just say, Lord, I'm believing what your word says. I'm believing that you are calling me not to do more, not to be more, so much as rest. Just trust, relax, love your word and enjoy it because of what it declares to me about what Jesus has done. Well, Pete, what about all of the things in the Bible that tell us what to do? It's true. The Bible is full of ideas, commandments, thoughts in which we are told to behave a certain way. But, but think about how beautifully complex it can be in terms of, listen, are we not allowed to eat, let's say, bacon? Because the Bible says we're not supposed to, right? Isn't that what it says in the Torah, in the, the law? You shall not eat bacon. Basically, it says that, doesn't it? Well, have you had a, a bacon sandwich anytime soon or bacon with your eggs? Probably have, haven't you? So what I'm saying is, it's not as though it's simple, simply a, a, a book that gives us instructions. No. It's not a book of instructions sprinkled with some stories. It is a story sprinkled with instructions. That's the way the Bible works. It's a story sprinkled with instructions. Now, those instructions are various. For example, don't eat bacon or pork, right? Well, that doesn't apply any longer because we read there in Acts chapter 10, that the apostle Paul went to the Gentiles, went to the Jews, preaching a message that had nothing to do with bacon or circumcision. And Peter was up on a rooftop in that same chapter and had a vision of eating all kinds of bacon and pork and things that were otherwise or beforehand unclean. So what I'm saying is that you don't just read the Old Testament and say, I must obey this and this and this, but realize it is finished. Jesus fulfilled it all. 
And when you do, yes, there are beautiful passages, laws, commands in the scripture, but they don't come to you or I do not read them as the basis for righteousness. But because we already are righteous now, we read those things and more and more God allows us to accomplish those things and obey those things because we know we're already righteous whether or not we do those things. But because we know that, then we do those things. See what I'm saying? We'll be right back. After all these years, I would have thought that all my fears were laid to rest. But I still get scared. And I thought that all my struggles would be victories by now. But I confess that the mess is there. But oh, I know the work that you began is coming to an end someday. After all these years. After all this time, I thought the rhythms and the rhymes would come so easy, but it's still so hard. It's the same 12 notes, six strings, and a million little mysteries in one broken heart. But oh, there is an everlasting song I'm gonna sing along someday, cause you never let go. Never let go You led me by the hand Into a land of green and gold And you never let go You never let go Your love endures forever Wherever I go After all these years That's all that I know Shiloh to the Warren To the cliffs at Castle Rock Well I've been Longing for a land But not everyone who Wanders is lost Cause every road I walk Is in the palm Of your hand And oh There is a house with many rooms Where I'm gonna be with you Someday Cause you never let go You never let
Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach that rest. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he said, quote, As I swore in my wrath, they, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Again, for those who have believed, enter that rest. The reason why the people of Israel failed to enter the promised land was simply because of unbelief. The reason why I fail or you fail to enter into the land of promise is because of unbelief. What is the land of promise? It's said right here in our text. It is the Old Testament picture of this New Testament reality. It is the rest of God. Simply unbelief will keep me, will hinder me from entering into that place of promise, that land of peace, that existence that transcends because I have failed to simply believe. Notice it doesn't say, it really does not say, for those who have behaved enter the rest of God. It doesn't say that. It does not say, for those who have behaved, enter God's rest. Hebrews 4 verse 3 says, for those who have believed, enter that rest. And then it says, God spoke, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Why? They did not believe. But then it says in Hebrews 4, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. So even though God was finished, even though God was finished since the sixth and then the seventh day of creation, the people of Israel at that time were not finished. And it took them 40 years when it could have been only an 11 day journey, all because they didn't believe. My friend, all that you have to do to enter into the promised land of God's rest is simply to believe him. Simply to take him at his word and at his promise. That's all. It's not more complicated or nuanced than that. That's what the book of Hebrews is all about. And then in Hebrews 4, he quotes another prophet when he says, And God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again, in this passage, he said, quote, They shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, 
and then those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. They failed to enter, even though some are able to enter, many fail to enter because of disobedience. Wait a minute, Pete. You just said it was simply believing. It is. To not believe in Jesus Christ, the writer of Hebrews is saying, that he has done it all is disobeying. But when you believe, listen, like the thief on the cross, like the thief on the cross who simply said, remember me when you come into paradise. He didn't do a thing, did he? He literally could not. He literally was not just tied up, but nailed down. He was nailed. And yet Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. You want to be in paradise with the Lord today? You, you want to be in heaven, so to speak, on earth? Just do what that thief did and believe. Believe that the work is finished. Believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Believe that therefore he is in complete control of everything in your life. You will find rest.
Again, going back to our text in Hebrews chapter 4, as the writer of Hebrews is talking, is speaking, is writing to a group of Jews who are heading back into the law as a means of righteousness. Not simply the law because it's something that is beautiful and something that is helpful and something that is good, but resulting instead of going back into the law because they were believing it to be part of the equation for their salvation. And so this writer of Hebrews is writing to a group of Christians slash Jews in Jerusalem saying, don't drift back, back under the law. And he writes this. I'll pick up where we left off last verse. Since therefore it remains for some to enter the rest. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. And then he goes on to say in verse 9, And so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. You you got that. I know you're you're listening if you are. And it's obvious what he's saying. You know what he's saying. That there is still a Sabbath rest that remains. That God gave them 
the opportunity to enter into the land, and they didn't. Just as God gives us the opportunity to enter into his rest, and so often we don't. So like them, it took them 40 years for an 11-day journey. It takes us 40 years, 40 months, 40 days when instead we could be right in the presence of the Lord by and through one thing, faith. And that faith leads to rest, not stress. For he says, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did his. Therefore, let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. (laughs) Don't fall. Don't disobey. Okay, how? Enter God's rest. Relax. Chill out by faith. See, it's getting our eyes off ourself and our behavior. Remember when? The people of Israel were complaining, murmuring. Well, this was after they received the law. So before the people of Israel received the law on Mount Sinai, before they demanded a law in which they said, we will keep every part of it as it's written down. But even as it was being given to Moses, they were dancing nakedly around a golden calf. So there goes that. But before that, whenever they were hungry, God provided manna or thirsty water from the rock. And on and on it goes of miracles that he provided for them when they were complaining or murmuring. But after that, whenever they were complaining or murmuring, they were punished because now they were under the law in the wilderness, in the desert, those 40 years. Including, remember there in Numbers, when... In chapter 21, they, they were t- complaining, uh, and, and so the result was they were being smitten by stri- struck by serpents, being poisoned. And what does Moses do? God told him, here's what you do. You create a symbol of the cross. For Moses put out a, a stick into the air, And on that stick was a golden snake made out of gold. And it was declared to the people, whoever looks upon this will be healed. Do you notice that? Not whoever carries this cross. Not whoever manufactures this cross. Not whoever is able to mold the snake and put it on the cross. All they had to do was look. And they were healed. They were made new. They were restored. You know what we're doing right now? We're looking at the cross, you and me, at this moment. We're looking at the finished work of Jesus, who became a snake on those six hours on the cross, who took our sin, became our sin. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might be the righteousness of God. He never knew sin. He never sinned, but he became my sin, your sin on the cross, like that serpent. All you have to do, all I have to do today 
To find peace is to look and enjoy, admire and glorify the one who died on the cross. It is no longer a serpent, no longer sin. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. My Jesus, I love Thee, and I know Thou art mine. For Thee, all the follies of sin, I resign. My
You know, the thing about the rest of the Lord that we're reading about here in Hebrews is this. Understand, slaves or servants cannot rest. They're always having to be on duty. And when I say slaves or servants, of course, that speaks of the New Testament and ancient times, first century, so, you know, that kind of thing. But I talk about slaves and servants as well. We might even say employees today. You can't rest. Not, not whenever you want. You can't dictate. You can't create a, a time of rest on your own when you're an employee of someone else. You do what they say when they say, and how they say to be done. So, slaves cannot rest. But those who are free can rest. If they're not there as an employee, but a volunteer, they can rest whenever they want. And my friend, that is you and me. We are free to rest There's a rest that remains for the people of God. Apart from even a day physically, although that's important and good. Just relax, my, my friend, dear sister or brother. That Jesus has paid the full price and is now seated at the right hand of God. Just know that he will put the desires that are right and good in your heart. Just trust that it's not even all about you at all. It's all about Jesus and what he has done on the cross. That, that's what makes Christianity so different from all other religions. Because it says in our text in Hebrews chapter 4, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would have not spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God rested from his works. <laughs> I love it. It's not just a property. It's not just borders or else God wouldn't have said to Joshua, who led them into the promised land, God wouldn't have not spoken of another day, we read. So, there is another day, even above and beyond the promised land of Canaan, literally. Both back in Joshua's time, in Jesus' time, and in our time today. There's a rest that remains. Man, what I have found, though, though is <clears throat> if I don't rest because I belong to God, He will lovingly, wisely, sovereignly, and yes, gently make me rest. <laughs> That's why you lost your job. Or that's why He dumped you, your boyfriend. Or that's why you were in the hospital talking to myself now. Because the Lord loves us so much that 
if we're not resting in him, he will create or allow certain things to happen that will make us rest. Because as the psalmist says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures and still waters. And the Lord has been faithful to do that in my life and I know yours as well. And so may you not flow in disobedience. Okay, Pete, I got my pencil ready, got my paper. What things should I obey today? Rest. (laughs) That's it. Thanks for tuning in. I'm getting closer to the full hour of time. We're almost there. But even still, we're going to continue to go through the book of Hebrews. And we'll resume again Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 11 tomorrow. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May you feel his warmth and know his shalom because of Jesus Christ. To Jesus be all praise and adoration. To his name be all glory. For he is our rest. Talk to you tomorrow. God bless.